Hey folks, this is Hal Shirtliff with Camp Constitution Radio. This show was heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday and Thursday evenings, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick this up on our numerous um, uh, platforms, including Podomatic. That's sort of our mothership. We also have it on Spotify, iHeart, and about a dozen other platforms. And we encourage you to share this. If you like what you hear, please uh, share this information. Uh, and uh, like when you go to Podomatic, why don't you follow so you can get other uh, uploads? Not only do we upload our show, Camp Constitution Radio, on this um, on Podomatic, but we've been uploading some oldies but goodies from the 70s and 80s. These were speeches by Gary Allen, who was a man that was a generation ahead of his time. In fact, one of his articles he wrote in the American Opinion Magazine, a monthly publication uh, back in, I think, 1970 or 71, where he's advocating, well, he's not advocating, but he's predicting uh, same-sex marriage. And that was something that even the most left-wing activists would say, oh, that's nonsense, that's crazy. We'll never do that. Absolutely never do that. So, so the show's brought to you by Camp Constitution, which among other things, runs a week-long family camp, and our camp is coming up uh, July 16th to the 21st. And like every year, we have a great lineup of instructors, also um, a lot of activity outside of classes, hiking and field trips and um, marksmanship and all kinds of great things, great fellowship. And it's a family camp. That means all uh, mom, dad, children, grandchildren, grandmothers, in-laws, uh, stepchildren, if you have any, bring them along too. Um, and if you are living outside of the region, you, you, if you're flying in, we'll pick you up at the airport, bring you back, and we'll pick you up at a bus station or a train station, any way to help to get you to camp. And it's, again, July 16th to the 21st at Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, which is about an hour drive north and west of Concord, New Hampshire, pretty close to the Vermont border. <laughs> And we also have a ladies' retreat coming up uh, in, uh, in early May, as well as a weekend retreat at the end of September, early October. So we got a lot of things going on in between. And just to visit our website, visit our cal- <coughs> calendar page if you want to, uh, uh, campconstitution.net. So a lot of things are going on, uh, and I'm going to be talking about the topic of slavery, but I just want to mention... Um, I just reading an article written by a lobbyist by the name of Ken Quinn. He's worth term limits USA. And it's very fascinating how you can manipulate statistics and polls. So I don't have the exact number, but allegedly a poll was taken asking people that they would want to have an Article 5 convention to um, to have term limits, to have a term limit amendment. And something like 69%. Oh, yeah. Well, the problem with that is that's a loaded question. Would you want to have... A, a, a convention for the purpose of just one amendment. And they said, yeah, but they didn't say, well, there's no guarantee that this would ever be voted on. And by the way, there's a lot of other things that might come up at this Article 5 convention. Maybe they wouldn't be so keen. In fact, uh, in New Hampshire, every 10 years, they have to put on the ballot uh, a question, do you want to have a state convention, constitution convention? In fact, it's interesting that the uh, these people manipulating language are telling us that um, that it's not an article, it's not a constitutional convention, it's a, it's a convention of states, even though that term isn't in the Constitution. Uh, uh, but 
they have no issue by calling state conventions, state constitutional conventions. So same thing. You go up at this convention and you amend it. You, you propose amendments. That's what it is. It's not an amendments. Yeah, it's an amendments convention, but also amendments means change. So if, and the other thing, too, is that a lot of these uh, people who, yeah, we want term limits because I don't like Nancy Pelosi. Well, what about your district? What happened in your district? So it really, it's a lazy man's or a lazy woman's way out. I don't want to engage. I don't want to actually help a candidate, uh, find candidates, recruit candidates, even run for office myself. Uh, I'll just sit back and I'll, I'll let the lobbyists do it. I'll let the lobbyists who really don't even know the difference between a democracy and a republic tell me. And if all these people, if 69% of the people in both parties demand term limits, why don't they simply vote and limit their people out? That doesn't work that way, does it? So it's disingenuous, to say the least. Anyway, um, uh, I get uh, an email from uh, Bill Federer. Uh, I got a chance to meet Bill. He's a wonderful guy. He's a boy. He's a, people say that I'm a walking history book. Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm like a club fighter compared to uh, Tyson Fury when it comes to Bill Federer and I. But I had a chance to meet him and I interviewed him, oh, I think about a year ago. On You could probably find it on the Podomatic Archive. But um, so I get about two or three emails a week and they're great history lessons. And not only what do I like reading them, but they let you they say, please share it. We, you know, we don't copyright it. I just want to give credit to them, though. It's called the American Minute. And uh, so at the when I reposted this on our Camp Constitution's website, I make sure that people will go to their website. And if they think they should and, and encourage them to support them financially, because this information is, it t- takes a lot of time to compile it all. But this particular, and so every, I don't repost everyone, but I, I like to repost some. In fact, some of you might hear, you heard about the um, San Francisco supervisors. That's like the city council. They all voted unanimously to uh, give up $5 million to every black African-American in, uh, in San Francisco. There's some kind of litmus test here. So I guess if I was black, I couldn't just move into San Francisco and expect $5 million. This is the absolute insanity of the left. And you imagine if these people think like this, how can that city even function? How can the trolleys even move when you have people who think like this? So when I read this article, and it's a little lengthy, it's called Dark Slavery History and Forgotten Individuals Who Work to End It, American Minute with Bill Federer. And it was published, I think, in March March 3rd. And I, I missed the email because, you know, I, I get so many emails. So I missed it. Uh, I was looking at some of my old emails. Ah, look at this. I got to repost this. And what I did was I copied and pasted into an email format, <clears throat> and I emailed it to uh, the 11 city supervisors uh, of San Francisco without much comment. Let them let them read this for themselves. Now, it's not going to change their mind. They're, 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 um, their thinking is warped. It's disgusting. It's warped. And the only way through that is a spiritual issue with them. It's prayer. And I was looking at the biogra- biographical sketches. I mean, they're all heart leftists. I don't think there's one person in San Francisco that could get elected to even have a scintilla. of. Although, to their credit, the voters got rid of their miserable um, prosecutor, who, by the way, was... Uh, uh, was uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, he was the he was the offspring of communist radicals, and it's funny. I have to admire the left to some respect. They do a great job. They don't have many children. They abort most of them, but when they do raise them, they keep them in line. They do not deviate. In fact, some of them are more worse than uh, worse than the other ones. Uh, I mean, worse than their parents. 
they do a great job of keeping their children in line to promote leftist cause. When was the last time you saw a Kennedy family member uh, come out and support Donald Trump? And you know what? There may be some people in that that aren't crazy, but they're afraid to say anything because they lose their trust fund. So I'm digressing a little bit here. So let me uh, uh, dox slavery, history and forgotten individuals. So it's a little lengthy. And I don't know if I can finish it up, but I think you'd really appreciate it. So I'll kind of go over some things and highlight. So first off, it says slavery did not start in 1619. This is the and this is my commentary. This is the narrative that we get from the um, uh, these leftists, the 1619 project, and this notion that it somehow began in this. We weren't even a country in 1619, by the way. It began with kings. Whenever you had the first king on top, you had slaves on the bottom. From the beginning of recorded history, kings fought battles. When kings were victorious, they considered themselves merciful if they did not kill all of the defeated enemies. All ancient cultures made slaves of those captured in battle, as seen Babylon, Persia, Greece, China, India, and Africa. <clears throat> the ancient king of Sumer, Uri Namu, inscribed a Sumerian law code 2050 BC defining the classes of society where slaves were on the bottom. King, free person, male slave, female slave on the bottom. The king of Babylon, Hammurabi, a contemporary of Abraham, we've heard of Hammurabi's codes, right? Okay, devised the code, uh, 1795, 1750 BC. The code dispensed increasing degrees of punishment depending on the class. King, male nobles, wives and children of nobles, poor and slaves in that order. Hammurabi's code had law number 282. If a slave say to his master, you are not my master, if they convict him, his master shall cut off his ear. In the second millennium, millennium BC, during the Zi, Shang, Yin, and Zhu dynasty, slaves were called Jinmen, which means base mankind, and Nule, which means debtor. That's where, I guess, where the nullification may come from. Some slaves were used for ritual sacrifices. The sons of Jacob sold their younger brother, Joseph, into slavery. Genesis 37, Judah asked his brothers, what will we gain by killing a brother and covering up his death? Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And his brothers agreed. Powerful pharaohs of Egypt made the Israelites slaves for 400 years, from 1800 to uh, 1400 B.C., Beginning around 1500 BC, India began developing a caste system where on the bottom, the untouchables were effectively a slave class. So in India, Brahmin, uh, Kashtraya, I'm not pronouncing it, I don't think, uh, warrior kings, Vishnya, merchants, Sudra, commoners, peasants, servants, and Dalits, Dalits, untouchables, outcasts, street sweepers, garbage collectors, latrine cleaners. Zedekiah, the king of Judah from 597 to 586 uh, BC, had everyone free their slaves, but later forced them back into slavery. <clears throat> the prophet Jeremiah recorded chapter 34. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a, con a covenant with the people that everyone should set free his male and female slaves. They obeyed and let them go. But afterward, they changed their minds and made the male and female slaves return. Therefore, the word of God came to Jeremiah saying, You turned around and profaned my name, and every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom you had set at liberty. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword. And I will, I will give King Zedekiah, king of Judah, 
and his princes into the hands of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life, and into the hand of the king of Babylon's army. Ancient Greeks enslaved captives from war. The population of Athens was estimated to have been 10 to 40 percent slaves. In the city of Thessaly, the slaves were called Peneste, a class of unfreed laborers. Slaves in Sparta were called Helots, and slaves on the island of Crete were called Dulos, Dulos. Julius Caesar conquered in Gaul and brought so many captive Slavic peoples into Rome that the term Slav gained the connotation of permanent servant, slave. Over half of Rome's population were slaves. Ah, do we ever hear people uh, uh, asking the Italian government for reparations or the Greek government? This is my commentary, by the way. Or the uh, African governments? No, just the United States. The famous Greek Orthodox account is that around 1400 A.D., a bankrupt merchant in the town of Patra, Asia Minor, was about to have creditors seize his three daughters and sell them into slavery. St. Nicholas, hmm, that sounds familiar, threw money into the window to provide a dowry for the daughters to get married and be free from the wicked creditors. Another form of slavery was generally indebtedness spread by the Roman Emperor Diocletian. In the 3rd and 4th centuries, the Roman economy became so bad that people who were unable to pay their mortgages would simply abandon their properties, renounce their Roman citizenship, and go off to live with the barbarians. To stop this, Diocletian made it a law that people could never run away from their debts, thus tying them and their children to the land in perpetual in perpetuity, creating the feudal system. This is essentially the case in India, with rural peasant farming families inherited ancient indebtedness. The Royal Commission on Agriculture described that India's farmers is born in debt, lives in debt, and dies in debt. Uh, I'm going to skip some of this. It just talks about a more recent example of inescapable debt deals with college debt. So I'm going to skip that, but it's, uh, it's not dealing directly with slavery. It's fascinating stuff, though. In the 5th century AD, Marathi invaders kidnapped Patrick from Britain and sold him as a slave into the Druid pagan in Ireland. Uh, my commentary... Uh, New York City has a St. Patrick's Day parade, and I think they had somebody from Fox News asking some of the attendees or the celebrants if they knew who St. Patrick was. None of them had any idea. Well, he was a former slave. He was from England, and he came to Ireland as a slave. He was able to escape. He came back on his own, and he brought Christianity and helped to convert that island. And that's probably why, if the left knew this, they would probably ban St. Patrick's Day parades. So don't tell them. Don't tell anybody who he was. Just say he was just this drunken Irish guy. That's what we want to believe. Uh, decades later, after evangelizing Ireland, St. Patrick wrote a letter condemning the Britannic world lord, King Carotidus, who was kidnapping Irish that Patrick had converted to Christianity and selling them into slavery. St. Patrick's letter to Corotychus is considered one of the very first anti-slavery documents. And I'm going to skip that just to, just to save time here. During the Viking Age, 793 to 1096, Viking warriors sailed up rivers across Europe and attacked, killing men and carrying away thousands of Christian women as captives. Various Quran verses and hadiths describe Mohammed as the white Arab who owns slaves. Quran verse 3350, Prophet, we have made lawful to you the slave girls whom Allah has given you as booty. My commentary here, when was the last time you heard anybody demand reparations from the Muslim countries that introduced slavery to uh, sub-Saharan Africa? and in some cases still have slavery. Never. Uh, so these are various passages in um, 
in the Quran that deal with slavery. And I'm not that promoted, by the way, and I'm not going to read it out for, for time's sake. But again, you can find this article in its entirety on our website. Uh, just go to our blog and just scroll down and you'll see it. We just posted it last week. Uh, the timeline of slavery added a new chapter in 711 AD when Muslim Moors conquered Spain, then invaded Portugal and France, followed by raids to the coast of Italy, Greece, and the Mediterranean. In 1189, Muslim warriors raided Lisbon, Portugal, and enslaved 3,000 women and children. In 1191, Muslims attacked Silves, Portugal, and enslaved 3,000. When Saladin captured Jerusalem, according to Amin al-Din, approximately 7,000 men and 8,000 women were unable to pay a ransom, so they were enslaved. Over a million Europeans were carried off into Islamic slavery. Medieval Catholic religious orders of Trinitarians or Mathurins would collect donations to ransom people from Muslim slavery. In 1605, St. Vincent de Paul, that's the man, uh, Saint, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, which exists today, was captured by Muslim pirates and enslaved. How many people in my commentary know anything about this guy, St. Vincent de Paul? He was a slave. St. Patrick was a slave. All these people that were slaves that, uh, that were able to come out of it and, uh, and glorify God. He witnessed to his master who converted and after several years allowed him to escape back to France where he founded hospitals and an organization to ransom slaves. Yes, that's another thing that Christians tend to do when they're not freeing slaves. They're building hospitals and uh, universities, which are then decades later, or hundreds of years later, taken over by the left and turned into um, atheist uh, citadels of atheism. Back to the article, Muslim raiders enslaved an estimated 180 million Africans over its 1400 year expansion. Let me read that again. Muslim raiders enslaved an estimated 180 million Africans over its 1,400 year expansion. The same Arabic word used for uh, African is slave, abid, abid. So, so um, all of you, uh, you, you black Muslims, you know, Malcolm X kind of got wise to this, by the way, and that, that didn't help many. Uh, male African slaves were often castrated, and female African slaves often sold into harems. Twice as many women were sold into the Arab slave trade than men. Muslim slave markets existed in North Africa, and I'm not reading all of the places, but West Africa, Swahili Coast, Horn of Africa, Arabian Peninsula, Indian Ocean, uh, Missionary Explorer, Oh, let me uh, let me read this here from Jediah Moses of American Geography. The island Madagascar has several petty savage kings of its own, both Arabs and Negroes, who making war on each other sell their prisoners for slaves to the shipping, which call here taking clothes, utensils, and other necessities in return. <clears throat> Missionary explorer David Livingston witnessed thousands of Africans shackled together and being forced to march hundreds of miles to the Arab slave markets. Which called a monster brooding, which called a monster brooding over Africa. Livingston wrote, "If my disclosures regarding the terrible Eugene slavery should lead to the suppression of the East Coast slave trade, I shall regard that as a greater matter by far than the discovery of all the, all the Nile sources together." The Ashtini tribal chief was notorious for selling Africans into slavery, some for ritual sacrifice. Abolish movements were difficult in Sharia Islamic countries. Islamic countries. Uh, uh, as they could be interpreted as an indirect condemnation of Muhammad and the rightly guided caliphs as they owned slaves. 
slavery. So uh, commentary here. So to advocate the end of slavery is a direct affront to the the teachings of Muslim, and you're basically offending the um, the prophet. Hmm. So are the are these uh, schooled Muslims uh, just lying to us when they tell us they're a religion of peace? Do they know this history? Those are throwing these questions out. Uh, do the uh, the squad the, those two repulsive Congresswomen from uh, Minnesota and uh, Michigan who came here uh, from foreign countries that were where they were persecuted and are doing everything they can to destroy this country? Did they know this history? Uh, I hope they they should know it. The purpose of the religion founded by Muhammad over all nations was to drag them into Arab national politics. It might have suited tribes in the desert. It is no good for a modern progressive state. This is what, um, oh, um, the Ottoman Empire. So uh, Turkey had slavery up until 1923. And interesting that uh, Ataturk uh, ended it, but he also was guilty of genocide uh, of Christians. So in pre-Columbian America, Warring tribes would enslave captives, sometimes using them in ritual sacrifices and cannibalism. And here's a uh, Yahoo News report December 20th, 2020. Photos show a tower of human skulls found beneath Mexico City. The Aztecs ritually sacrificed them, archaeologists say. Hmm. Now, we know this, but the average American, the average school child, the average uh, public school student will tell you that America's evil, historically, just intrinsically evil because of slavery, but they don't tell you, well, maybe is Mexico intrinsically evil? Is China or all the sub-Saharan African nations the same way? Is uh, India, uh, let's see, what else? Greece, Italy, Russia, all these nations too, we're all evil. It's called sin, right? Uh, many North American tribes made slaves of captured uh, tribes. Comanche, uh, Comanche of Texas, Creek uh, of Georgia, Yurok of Northern California, Pawnee in the Plains, Claymath of Oregon, Haida in uh, Tilgit of Alaska, some Pacific Northwest tribes. One fourth of the population were slaves. Cheyenne mastered horses left by Spanish, then attacked and enslaved other Plain tribes. So, yeah, the American Indians uh, were also those that enslaved. In 1526, Lucius uh, de uh, Leon explored the eastern coast of America as far north as Delaware Bay, then somewhere near uh, Sapello Sound, Georgia, where 600 settlers, of which 100 were African slaves. He attempted a settlement named St. Miguel de Guadalupe. The Dominican friars who accompanied them celebrated the first recorded Catholic Mass and what would later become the United States. Unfortunately, that winter, two-thirds of the settlers died of disease, including El Leon. The African slaves rebelled and ran off to live with a native tribe of uh, Guales, becoming the first non-native settlers in North America. Isn't that fascinating, huh? Bet you didn't know that. Batted in a hurricane, they were shipwrecked near St. Petersburg. Natives misled, betrayed, ambushed them. One member of the expedition, Juan Ortiz, was captured and enslaved by the Togobana tribe, uh, being rescued 12 years later by DeSoto's expedition. His story was related in discovery and conquest of Terra, Florida, by a gentleman of Elvis, 1557, translated into English in 1611. The Christian name was Joan Ortiz, and he was born in Seville. He was 12 years old in the hands of Indians. He came with uh, Narvaez to Florida, a great number of Indians which compassed them about and took them in place where they could not flee, and the others they presently killed. They took John Ortiz alive and carried him to the Useta, their lord, 
Yusita commanded to bind Jonoti his hand and foot upon four stakes, aloft upon a rab, and to make a fire unto him, that there may, he may be burned. But a daughter of the desired of his desired him, and he would not be put to death, alleging that it was more for his honor to keep him as a captive. Jonotis noticed the damsel that had delivered him from the fire, how her father was determined to sacrifice him. She went with him half a league out of town by night and set him in the way and returned because she would not be discovered. Jonotis traveled all at night and the morning came into a river. The surviving 80 members of the Naravia expedition returned to the Tampa coast. They salvaged their wrecked vessel and fashioned it to two rafts, using deerskins for bellows to blow air into the fire, making it hot enough to forge metal nails. Anyway, just I won't I, I won't uh, read the rest. Of it. I got a lot more here to go. Here we go. This is more uh, okay. This is more of the United States. So we learned that slavery has been around since the since the fall of man. The first African slaves brought to the English colony, Virginia, came on a Dutch ship in 1619. And okay, um, over the next two centuries, the number of slaves tragically grew from 20 in odd to an estimated 4 million by 1860. Originally, African slaves brought to Virginia served seven years and they were freed. In my commentary, that's the biblical year of Jubilee, by the way which unfortunately was not practiced in uh, the st states that had a large slave population, or any state for that matter. Anthony Johnson was a black indentured slave from Angola who arrived in Virginia in 1621. Let me make some commentary here. Uh, I read since uh, I read where Virginia didn't have any laws guiding slavery, so technically he was an indentured servant, not a slave in the strict sense. Uh, but again, as time went on, uh, Virginia did have laws, uh, and in this case, Virginia is a colony, not a state. He completed his indentured service and gained his freedom. He then became one of the first Africans to own property in America. Again, his name is Anthony Johnson. Acquiring a 250-acre tobacco plantation, he owned four white slaves and one black slave, John Castor. After seven years, Castor left and began working as a freeman on another farm. In 1655, Anthony Johnson brought a lawsuit and won to keep Castor a slave indefinitely. This made John Castor one of the first person of African descent in the 13 colonies to be a slave for life. And who made that happen? Another black man, Anthony Johnson. <clears throat> a lesser known chapters of slaves brought to America occurred in the 1600s when King James I and later Charles I and Oliver Cromwell sold over a half a million Irish Catholics into slavery onto plantations in the West Indies, Antigua, Montserrat, Jamaica, Barbados, as well as Virginia and New England. Historian Will Durant wrote in his story of civilization, the Irish scene was one of the most shameful in history. Thomas Sowell, who, by the way, is in his 90s now, a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute in Stanford, California, wrote an article, Irresponsible Education, more whites were brought as slaves to North Africa and blacks brought as slaves to the United States or to the 13 colonies from which it was formed. White slaves were still being bought and sold in the Ottoman Empire decades after blacks were freed in the United States. So uh, I, there's a lot more to read. I don't, I'm running out of time here, but I just want to mention that um, uh, I do encourage people here to uh, get this article and, uh, and if you have a place where if you could actually reprint it, reprint it, because it's just a fascinating story. And this is, these are facts that are not known. In fact, uh, I interviewed Dr. Duke Pesta not too long ago, 
and he brought out and he he's a uh, University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh. He teaches uh, English literature, uh, which I guess is racist now. Uh, anyway, he uh, he he. I tell you, I, I would love. It's just great to have a professor like. Imagine the the, uh, the joy of having a guy like him teach your child, your children, in a, in a government school or a state school. Anyway, he said um, that when the country was founded in 1776, about 85 percent of the world was in some form of bondage, and they they're shocked. They somehow actually believed that slavery was invented by white Americans in seven, you know, 1619, and that was what the Constitution all about was to help the slave the slave people. In fact, just the opposite is true. Um, Frederick Douglass uh, was a, a, a former, he was a slave, he escaped, and he was rightly critical of uh, many things, but he said the Constitution was a freedom document. He said it just took a long time for people to have the political will and courage to enact it. So far from being a hating America, want to see it destroyed. And that's why I think the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa people they may not know anything of this, but they said he's got to go. His statue's got to go. His memory must be erased. So I think, um, well, you know, it was, slavery was a condition that was uh, not unique to the United States. It was something that was legal. A lot of people participated in it, and a lot of people defended it. But in the end, it was abolished. And um, in fact, within a few years of the Declaration of Independence, slavery was abolished in half of the states. Um, well, Close to half of the states. Anyway, we're running out of time. I want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitutional Radio with your host, Hal Sherliff. And until next week, may God richly bless you.